transformation continuation. Uh, this weekend, we're celebrating the, uh, what God has been doing in our lives through our Transform campaign. And I called it the t- continuation because I want to communicate to you that because the small group material is ending, the sermon series is ending, uh, the truth is we're really just beginning this transformation process. Because obviously, you cannot change seven major areas of your life in 50 days. I mean, it's just impossible. And so here's what's going to happen. Next week, we begin our Christmas sermon series. It's called Christmas Perspectives. Do you know Thursday's Thanksgiving, and then bang, here comes Christmas? Do you realize that? Somebody sent me a thing this week that said, caution, days on calendar are closer than they appear. (laughs) And I thought, I didn't know it. And and so we're going to look at Christmas uh, from the perspective of seekers, skeptics, servants, and the Savior, the mystery of Christmas. And so I'm hoping that uh, you'll invite your family and friends to come to that. And I'm hoping that it will also be a good series to help you navigate through Thanksgiving and Christmas seasons. Uh, No other season of the year is harder regarding your spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, relational, financial, and vocational health than Thanksgiving to New Year's. I mean, it is the hardest season of the year. And you do not want to go into this season without your spiritual armor on. And so one of the ways you can do that uh, is to just turn around and start working your way back through this book again. Uh, I'll I'll be honest, I have three days left to to, to read. I'm three days behind, and many of you may be behind. Just keep going. But when you get to the end, I'm just going to turn around and go back through it again. I mean, it's 50 awesome verses, 50 tremendous thoughts. Don't just think, oh, I'm done with that, and then throw it in the back seat of the car and be done with it. Uh, Work these principles uh, this season. And you won't go into Christmas unarmed. And then once we get through the holiday season, we're going to intentionally revisit these seven areas. And in 2015, our sermon series, our small group studies, we're going to hit these seven areas hard. 2015 is going to be a transforming year for us. Now, tonight is our celebration service, and we do one of these uh, every fall at the end of our campaigns. We just get everybody together for a great big concert and a time of uh, worship and testimony, and uh, it's going to be awesome. I hope you'll be here for that. And tonight, we also are taking our celebration offering at that service. Now, you can give to the celebration offering anytime. Many of you, in fact, $3,100 has come in uh, already, and you can give to the celebration offering all the way to the end of the year. So you can give anytime, but everything that comes in tonight is going to be dedicated uh, to that, uh, that celebration offering. Uh, in a few weeks ago in the financial session, we talked about uh, tithing 10%, saving 10%, and living on the rest. And I just want to tell you that we teach that as a church, we practice that as a church. We tithe uh, first 10% of everything that comes in here, we give it away. We give it back to God, right off the top. We give it to missionaries, we give it to local ministries, we give it to church plants, we give it away in benevolence. First 10%, we just give it back to God and say, thanks God for giving to us, we're going we're to help other people. And then we also strive to save 10% of whatever comes in, and then as a church, we, just, we live on the rest. And I thank God for our uh, gifted administrative team and for our frugal staff. I mean, they just make do with... With, with, with what we've got. And so as a church, we want to model these principles for you, and God blesses it. And you can see this even in our celebration offering. I mean, our goal for the celebration offering is $15,000 for these projects, and the first 10% of that $1,500 is going to buy transformed workbooks for Kids International Ministries. When we started the campaign, Jeff and Colleen Long, who run Kim in the Philippines, 
uh, were here, and Jeff said, this material looks so great. He said, would you guys consider buying 100 copies of these small group books so I could take all the staff of Kim through this campaign? And uh, we said, sure, we'll, we'll do it. And so that's, that's the first 10% of our celebration offering is going. In fact, we're already in the process of that because you guys have already given. And so we're going to uh, make it possible for 100 of the Kim staff there in the Philippines to go through the Transform material. And then the, the rest of the celebration offering is going to be used to improve our Rockbrook for Kids classrooms. Uh, we're going to get the little kids out of the upstairs and get them over in the, in the East Building. Uh, for a long time, we've been taking these toddlers up and down these steps back there, and uh, we're going to get all the kids, other than the uh, infant nursery, uh, that'll stay in this building, but we're going to get all the kids' stuff over there and improve those classrooms for them. And then we're going to make the staff walk up and down those steps. And uh, actually, we're going to get a chairlift. And um, you laugh, but uh, you know it's, it, it, it's one of the items. And part of that is, is just to have access. For anybody who needs to have access, we want them to be able to have access to the staff. And uh, I'll also write it. Um, <clears throat> uh, but for 17 years, the staff, have, we've all officed out of our homes. And when we come up to church, uh, you know, if you come up here for the day, you wind up sitting on these chairs that are hard for you to sit on for an hour and working at a plastic table in the kitchen. And frankly, it's time for us to step up our game in regards to staff. So we're not doing anything swanky. In fact, it's going to be pretty modest. And, and uh, we're going to reuse a lot of material and stuff. And, and uh, it'll be cool, but uh, it'll be cheap. So that's the celebration offering. So I hope you'll, you'll contribute to that. And I hope that helps you understand how we operate. But now, today I want to talk to you about the how to continue the process of transformation that God started in your life. Um, I really do not want you to let the momentum and even the goal setting that you've done, I don't want you to let that get away from you. And so we want to look at six elements that God uses to change us. So you can put these to good use through the holidays and then uh, be prepared into next year. This is long-term thinking uh, coming out of this series. So what are the six elements God uses to change us? On your outlines there, number one, transformation requires coaching. Coaching. We always grow faster with a tutor, with a trainer, with a coach. Uh, You know, even superstars who get paid millions of dollars have coaches. Rock star vocalists have vocal coaches. Professional athletes have, they they not only have the coaches that coach the team, they've all got personal trainers, personal coaches. Top CEOs have life coaches. And, and you need a coach in your life. If you're serious about transforming your life and next year being better than this year, you need a coach. Now, why? What does a coach do? Well, a coach shows you how to maximize your strengths and minimize your weaknesses. That's what a coach does. And you read through the Bible. It, even the great leaders in the Bible had coaches. Joshua was coached by Moses, Elisha was coached by Elijah, David was coached by Samuel, Solomon was coached by David, the 12 disciples were coached by Jesus, Paul coached Timothy, Timothy coached other people. In fact, 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul lays out this coaching process. Timothy, I want you to take the things I've taught you and pass them on to other faithful men who will be able to pass them on to others. See that? There's four generations of coaches going on in, in that verses. Paul coaches Timothy. Timothy coaches faithful men. Faithful men pass it on to others. In fact, it's not just four generations. It goes all the way from Paul all the way down to you. Because that's how you got here. But somebody coached somebody else and somebody has, has coached you. We pass it on from generation to generation. And so one of the key questions you need to ask is, is who are you passing it on to? 
Who are you coaching? Look at this uh, in Ephesians 4.11. Uh, it tells us that, that God has given five kinds of coaches to the church. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I want you to circle some phrases in there. In verse 12, circle the phrase to equip God's people and also circle build up the church. And then in verse 13, circle the phrase that we will be mature. Those are the three reasons that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the church. God gave the church, those coaches, to equip God's people to build up the church so that we reach maturity. The coaches coach the church as a group, but God wants you to have a coach on a personal level. And if you're serious about transforming your life, you're going to need to get a coach. Now, how do you find somebody who's qualified to be a spiritual coach? I mean, do they have to be perfect? The answer is no. No, they don't have to be. A spiritual coach only has to be one step ahead of you. That's all it takes. To, to find a coach, just look for somebody who's, who's one step ahead of you. To be a coach, you just need to be one step ahead of somebody else. You know, Don't make this harder than it is. To be a coach, all you've got to be able to do is say, hey, don't step there. <laughs> and you can coach somebody. No, 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 step over there. There you go. Yeah, follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's the idea of this coaching thing. And one of the great things that we're planning for Rockbrook in 2015 is this concept of coaching. And you're going to hear a lot more about that. Because everybody needs a coach, and everybody needs to be a coach. That's how we grow to maturity. Now, second thing, transformation requires learning the truth. John 17, 17, Jesus prays to God the Father. He says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Jesus prays, make them holy. Jesus is praying to God the Father about you. Do you realize that? When he was praying that, he was praying that about you. God, make them holy. And, and the theological term for being made holy is sanctification. Sanctification means to be made complete. It means to grow up. It means to become mature. It means to be transformed into the person God meant for you to be. And Jesus says the way you're sanctified is through the truth of God's word. Make them holy by your truth. Now, if you really want to change any area of your life, you need to know and apply the truth of God's word in that area. If you want to change your finances, you need to know and apply the truth of God's word to your money. If you want to change your marriage, you need to know and apply the truth of God's word to your marriage. If you want to change your health, you need to know and apply the truth of God's word to your health. Any area you want to change, you've got to know and apply the truth of God's word to that area, because it is the truth of God's word that transforms us. Now, why, why, what's the goal? Why are we doing this? Ephesians 4.14. Then 
we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. See, one of the marks of spiritual immaturity is that others can sway you from the church. A spiritually immature believer is, is always chasing whatever, whatever's new. They're, they fall for the clever lies that sound like the truth. But when you, if you don't stand for the truth, you will fall for a lie. And God says, no, no. He says, this is the mark of maturity. Verse 15, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing up in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. Now, why do you have to know the truth of God's word in order for your life to be transformed? Because behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie. A lie that I believe. I believe a lie about myself. I believe a lie about God, a lie about others, a lie about success or life or love or money or sex or power or marriage. The world lies to you all the time. All the time. And every time I believe the lie that the world tells me, instead of what God says in his word, then I get caught in harmful behavior. That's why Jesus says the truth sets you free. And Jesus said... I am the truth. He didn't say, I teach the truth, or I point to the truth, or that's the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. The truth is not just a principle. The truth is a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.21, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. So if I want my life transformed, I've got to break out of the lies that the world has told me, and I've got to break out of the lies I've told myself. I've got to move out of my own denial, move into the truth that is Jesus Christ. And so I need a coach. I need a coach alongside me to encourage me, and I need to learn the truth of God's Word. Third thing I need, transformation requires new thinking. If you want to change your job, you've got to change the way you think about your job. If you want to change your finances, you've got to change the way you think about money. If you want to change your marriage, you've got to change the way you think about relationships. And the key is not just to change the way you think to something different. Oh, I just I need a new way of thinking about this. No, you need the correct way of thinking about this. It's not that you just change your mind. It's that you bring your mind in line with God's will and God's word. That's when true transformation happens. And so I'm going to be very blunt about this. And I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just trying to be clear. Okay? But if you don't want to go through another year like this year, if you want next year not to be just different but better, then you're going to have to stop conforming and start transforming. You're going to have to stop being conformed to what the world says, and you're going to have to start transforming your life by what God says. And I'll just tell you, if you spend more time listening to talk radio than you do reading the Bible, you're going to be jacked up. If you spend more time on Facebook than you do reading the Bible, it's not going to work. If you spend more time reading magazines or, or, or novels or books than you do reading the Bible, if you spend more time watching football or playing video games or whatever, you are being conformed, not transformed. 
I don't care if it's the Wall Street Journal or Fortune 500. If you're spending more time reading that stuff than you are reading the Bible, you're being conformed, not transformed. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. What the world calls smart, God calls foolish. And there are a lot of educated dunces out there that are spouting off things that are not true, and, and it's messing us up. And so knowing this, look what Ephesians 4.17 says. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. And the Gentiles are the ungodly. They're the ones who are outside the faith. Live no longer as the ungodly do, for they are hopelessly confused. Today, a lot of people are hopelessly confused in their thinking. And you see it everywhere. They call wrong right and right wrong. They call light dark and dark light. They call the truth a lie. They call lies the truth. They think what's vulgar is funny and they mock what's pure. They are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. Have you notice that? There is no sense of shame today. No sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. And if you really want your life to be transformed <clears throat> to what God meant it to be, you've got to open your mind, you've got to open your heart and life to, to what God wants you to do. You've got to stop conforming and start transforming. Ephesians 4.23, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. And that's what happens when you spend time in God's Word. And that's why I want to encourage you, don't take this Transform campaign lightly. If you've read every one of the daily devotionals, then read them again. If you went to every small group session, work through the small group outlines again. If you missed a small group, the answers are in the back. Actually, you can go to YouTube. If you type in YouTube Rick Warren Transformed, on YouTube, you can see every one of the, the small group studies that, that Rick did, and you can see every one of the sermons that he did. I mean, you can go to our website and listen to me do the sermons. I do them in 25 minutes. If you go to, you can watch Rick do them. He does them in 55 minutes. Yeah. Because he speaks really slow. Yeah. But, you know, I just would encourage it, you know, it, get somebody from your small group. Maybe your small group's not meeting through the holidays, but find somebody in the small group and just talk through this stuff again because transformation starts uh, in the mind. Fourth thing God uses to change us. Transformation requires cleaning house. It's kind of an odd time of year to talk about cleaning house. We typically think of spring house cleaning. But I would encourage you to do some December end-of-the-year house cleaning. You know, clean house in your mind, clean house in your body, clean house in your spirit. Ephesians 4.22, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. The phrase throw off means, doesn't mean you take it off, hang it up, and then put it on again later. You know, to throw off means you get rid of it once and for all. And some of you, you know, whatever area you want to change, you're going to have to get rid of some things. You have to get rid of them once and for all. You know, if you want a healthy body, you're going to have to get rid of a bunch of junk food that you've got stashed around the house. And I mean even the stuff that's stashed on top of the cabinet nobody else knows about. You've got to pull them Oreos out of there and you've got to get rid of them. Okay? I mean, if, you know, clean in house. You may have to block some channels on your TV. You may need to go into the parental control thing, even though there's no kids in the house, and, and block some because you know, you're just not going to watch that junk anymore. 
Uh, you know, if you want to have a healthy mind, you're going to have to get rid of some of the books and some of the magazines that you're reading. I mean, really, is your life going to be any worse off if you don't know what happens to the Kardashians? Those poor people. Man. You know, you may have to clean your house and, and your schedule. Most of you are trying to do too much that matters too little. You're trying to do too much that matters too little. And so you need to prioritize, you need to clean some stuff uh, out of your calendar. Don't carry all the garbage from this year into next year. Don't carry anger, worry, and fear, and bitterness, or lust, or jealousy, or depression, or greed into the new year. Hebrews 12.1, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And we've all got one. <laughs> you know, strip it off, get rid of it. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Get rid of everything that slows us down. God has an exciting race prepared for you in 2015. You need to be ready to run it. need to be ready to run it. Now, have you noticed that it's easier to pick up bad habits than it is to get rid of them? Yeah. I mean, it, it just is. Why? Why is it so hard to get rid of those bad habits? You need to understand this because it will help you. First, it's hard to get rid of bad habits because I've had them for so long. Because I've had them for so long. You know, you didn't collect your hurts, habits, and hang-ups overnight. You know, it, it's taken me a lifetime to get this messed up. Okay? Same thing is true with you. A lot of the patterns that you established in childhood, you, you're, you've been practicing for years. And a habit can be self-defeating. It can even be painful. And yet we keep doing it simply because it's comfortable. It's more comfortable to endure the pain than it is to change it because we've just been doing it for so long. Okay? Another reason, second reason, they're hard to break is because I identify with my habits. We often confuse our identity with our defects. We say, I'm a workaholic. I've always been out of shape. I'm just an angry person. I'm not good at managing my money. You, know, you see yourself in a certain way and you set up a self-fulfilling prophecy. You act like you expect yourself to act. And sometimes when you have bad habits, you unconsciously fear, if I change this bad habit, well then who am I going to be? How, how will I act? How will people react to me? I've always been this way. I, I've always been pushy. I've always been a perfectionist. I've always been argumentative. If I change this bad habit... Who will I be? How will people interact with me? You worry about losing your identity because it's wrapped up in that bad habit. Third reason they're hard to change is because they have a payoff. They have a payoff. Whatever gets rewarded gets repeated. And so whatever is being repeated is being rewarded somehow. And we don't do things that aren't rewarded. And so anytime you continue to do a negative behavior, you need to figure out, what's the payoff for this? You know, maybe it's making, uh, masking your pain, it's giving you an excuse to fail or an excuse to be irresponsible, or maybe you're getting attention that you desire. But when you continue to do something negative, there's always a payoff for it. And you want to discover what that payoff is and change it. Fourth reason why it's hard to get rid of bad habits. The moment you get serious about God really making changes in your life, and some of you have already experienced this in, in this campaign, you decide that you're not going to stay the same, you want to be changed into the man of God, the woman of God that, that God wants you to be. The minute you make that decision, Satan fights against it. 
The minute you make that decision, you step into the realm of spiritual warfare, and you've got to arm yourself with the truth of God's word. You've got to align yourself with a life coach. You need to get plugged into a small group. That's the fifth, fifth element. Transformation requires honest community. Ephesians 4 tells us you, you, you need people in your life. You need to be part of the body of Christ. You need a support group. You need, need community. And that's why small groups are going to be our delivery system for transformation next year. Because, you know, we're going to offer small group curriculum in each of these areas because transformation happens best in community. Ephesians 4.25, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Tell your neighbor the truth. When you're lying to your neighbor, you're lying to yourself because we're all part of the body of Christ. And so stop telling lies. In the Greek there, it means stop the pretense. You know, tell your neighbor the truth doesn't mean, you know, that you need to just blunt and tell them everything that's wrong with them. Yeah, you really do look fat in those pants. That's not what it's saying. It's not what it's saying. It's saying we need to stop the pretense. It's not that we tell them the truth about what's wrong with them. We tell them the truth about what's wrong with me. I open up and say, man, I am struggling. If there were more confession about temptation there would be less confession about sin. We need to just be open and, and open up with it. Stop the pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. And, and if you're serious, and I mean serious, about being a better person next year, if you want to make progress, if you want to grow, if you want to experience transformation, you're going you're gonna to need to get a coach. You're going to need to be in a group. Because you've got to get close enough to people that you can love them unconditionally and they can love you unconditionally. Look at verse 32. It says, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If you're going to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving toward people, you've got to get close enough to them to be able to do that. And it can't happen here. It can't happen in this setting. It's got to happen in a small group. Another instruction, verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be what? An encouragement to those who hear them. You speak words that encourage. You know what it means to encourage? It means to put courage into somebody. When you discourage somebody, you just suck the courage out of them. You just defeat them. You fill their life up with fear. You encourage, you build up people's courage. Well, let me ask you, which do you need? Do you need to be encouraged or discouraged? What are you going to do for somebody else? Need to, it needs to be in community about encouraging one another. We are better together. We're better together. And a year from now, what's going to make you better is going to be what you've put into your mind and the relationships that you've established with other people. You associate with people on the grow, guess what? You'll grow. You'll grow. And that's going to be our goal for you next year, get you plugged into honest community with one another deal with these issues. Number six, transformation requires faith. The person who says I can and the person who says I can't are both right. You say I can, you're right. You say I can't, you're right. Because it, you know, it, you've got to believe that you can be different. And, and it's important, not just that you have faith, it is important who is the object of your faith. 
If you think, I can, you're, honestly, I mean, you're in trouble. If you think you're going to do this in your own power, if you're putting faith in yourself or faith in your coach or faith in your small group, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Look at Ephesians 3.20. Now, all glory to God. God's the one who gets the credit for all of this. Who is able, circle the word able, through his mighty power, circle mighty power, at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Notice, none of those phrases in that verse have anything to do with willpower. You know, transformation is not you mustering up enough willpower to make these changes in your life. In fact, it's just not going to work that way. If it could, you would have already done all this stuff. I mean, if you had the power to do it, you would have already done it. But you haven't because you don't have the power. And so it becomes a matter of putting your faith in God's transforming power. And that's, that's how transformation happens. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything through Him who infuses inner strength into me. Transformation. Real life change is possible. It is possible. Not through your own power and strength, but through the power of Christ unleashed in your life through faith in Him. That's what, we want, that's what we want you to be a part of. As a staff, we are praying, we're preparing, we're laying the groundwork for a life-changing year in 2015. God is going to do amazing transformation. Infinitely more than we might ask and think. And I want to invite you to be a part of it. Let's pray together. God, I, I am just so excited about what you're about to do in our lives. And we look forward to a wonderful Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year season. But I pray right now that you would begin the process of preparing the way for us to make significant life-transforming progress in 2015. And God, we thank you for the tools that you've given us to, to bring about this change. You haven't asked us to do this in our, our strength or on our own. God, I thank you for the coaches that you bring into our lives. Help us to step out and be willing to coach others. God, thank you for the truth of your word that confronts and corrects the lies of the world, the lies that we tell ourselves. God, thank you for the hope of, of renewed minds. I don't have to think this way anymore. And God, help us to clean house, to surrender our hearts to you, to turn to you in prayer, to give up our sins, even those we do in secret. God, thank you for the community of believers, for, for the body of Christ, the small groups, the friendships, the fellowships that we have here, for the people in the body of Christ who can build us up and encourage and coach and help us. And God, thank you that you respond to our faith. Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.